my internet works. All right, we are live. What's up? How's everybody doing? What's going on? How you been, man? Oh, I've been surviving. <laughs> like it's been um, it's been a rough couple of days. I've been pretty under the weather, and I also like threw out my back, which shouldn't happen to somebody in their early twenties. <laughs> but I'm cursed with a broken spine, so like yesterday I couldn't twist to the right. So <laughs> it's been <laughs> it's oh, been a a rough couple of days, but today feels all right. I'm happy to be chatting with you and and yeah, have man. a purpose. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, right on yeah, yeah how about you what's going on ah uh, you know same old shit same old shit i keep looking for diamond python eggs i actually just got home so i was chatting no still none so none <laughs> yeah she's looking good though so uh, it looks promising we'll see did she have the post-op shed already she did oh shoot there was a shed in there and uh yeah so i guess it's just a matter of time now so that's awesome we'll see yeah, I'm pretty excited. That would be cool to produce diamond pythons. Um, never did it before. Hell yeah. You have some <laughs> nice ones over there, too. I'm I'm really excited to see if it all works out. Yeah. Who pops out of those eggs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you um, have so, a, I was okay. just going to say, do you have a prediction of, of what? Because I know it's kind of still up in the air. I'm definitely not like a diamond python expert, but do you have a prediction on how many of, of the offspring would be reduced pattern? Do you have a theory? Cause it's kind of I think, weird, right? Yeah. I think it's recessive, but okay. you know, you talk to the diamond Python people and they say that that's not right. So, and I think we talked about it before mm -hmm. and Greg Heim did a, did a uh, pairing from reduced pattern to reduced pattern. And I think he got all reduced patterns. So, hmm. well, there you know. go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cool. Cool. Travis, cool. what say you? <laughs> I yeah, know you're exactly. out there listening at some point and you'll uh you'll you'll what's up everybody uh everybody is uh yeah quite a quite a few people here uh yeah, riley will be joining us uh soon he's getting his uh second shot for the uh covid so he can get to traveling yeah. um i don't know if you saw the uh you know keith man he has all the luck herping man he found like a whole bunch of uh of Gila monsters on the trip over the weekend. Yeah. Holy shit, man. The pictures have been looking like a really good time. It seems like they're, they're doing some cool stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was, uh, I was supposed to go on that trip, but couldn't make it. So mm. it is what it was is. Was that Utah? Yeah. Yeah. They went Utah. to Utah. Yeah. Nice. We got, uh, what? Three weeks till Texas. We'll be in Texas. So awesome. That should be cool. Almost out my way, more west. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, <laughs> Almost. <laughs> yeah, That's but awesome. uh, yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Hopefully, uh, uh, oh, okay, <laughs> Riley, I guess it's getting together. I just saw a message pop up. Um, yeah, um, I'm hoping, uh, yeah, to see some uh, cool rattlesnakes is really probably the thing. That's most number one, yeah. nice, yeah, and you, I think, uh. I think Rob mentioned you were also going to do some indigo stuff at least one of the days, right? Yeah, so we're heading into east, uh, well, I guess like the eastern side of the state. We're going to start there. Um, I guess wherever we're going to be is uh, there's been some sightings. Uh, I'm talking like it's Bigfoot. Some sightings of indigo <laughs> snakes. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
we're gonna we're gonna move out west uh back to nice. where we were i think the other thing that i'm excited to see would be to see some gray bands i think that would be really cool some alterna in the That's wild awesome. yeah. would be uh would be pretty awesome the crazy thing is is like sometimes you can collect these animals mm, as mm -hmm. opposed to like when you're in australia and you're like wish don't touch it them and you <laughs> yeah. can't <laughs> can't even touch right. it hands off right. you know that but, would be uh, cool any any uh interest in doing that i know you kind of have had it like in the back of your head to do more north american colubrids for a little while yeah i think you know I was I, I posted up a post the other day of uh, people were all worried about me that I was like having a meltdown or something, but it wasn't that or anything. I posted up a bunch of plants that were out back, and um, mm. I think in like uh, I think it's just in today's world, it's just like all this stuff is being thrown at you, and you know, it, it sometimes it's just you need a you need an unplug, you know, you need oh yeah. You need to be able to step away from stuff, and I think I think for me, like the the unplug was always like the herpin trip, you know, and not being able to do it means you don't be able to unplug. So, right, uh, um, that's why I'm sort of looking forward to this. But I had set up a bunch of um, uh, plants because I wanted to take a shot at if I'm going to do more naturalistic enclosures and stuff that um, I would, you know try to get my thumb green and see what I could do <laughs> because nice. it's like, Oh yeah. I, I, I don't know. Are you any good at taking care of plants? I I've had pretty good luck with plants. I, I don't yeah, know if I'd okay. go so far as to say green thumb, but yeah, before okay. I like had to pack up and go to college, I was really proud of this little garden I put together at my dad's house. I had like yeah. four blueberry bushes and a bunch of like, strawberries and a fig tree like i don't know i was really into just growing stuff that i could eat because i love oh, food yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah i i love that kind of stuff just my my living situation now i can't really do it because i'm on a, a second store apartment there's not a lot of dirt <laughs> but <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think that uh some good plant work is very therapeutic <laughs> yes yeah so uh so i've been doing that and i just sit out there and you know you can hear the frogs calling in the background it's just kind of relaxing or whatever and um yeah but um the whole point of what i was saying is like i'm really like trimming the collection down so mm -hmm. to me uh, although as much as i mean maybe at some point in my herpin keeping career maybe i'll move to have some some stuff but no to me I, i'm just gonna observe them in the wild and that right would be the extent of that you know but, uh, I had a feeling that's probably the answer, but uh, I asked yeah. anyway. Yeah, I mean, same. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't really want to want to take anything out. Be more interested to watch it slither away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if I was breed, you know, if I had like a specific breeding project or something like that, you know, it would be cool. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, um, but yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm just gonna <laughs> enjoy it where it's at. You know. For sure. But that doesn't mean that the guys, <clears throat> other guys won't, you know, because Owen, he's kind of, well, Owen's not going, but uh, Rob, he's a kind of a Kaluber guy somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, so for sure. How it goes. No, that'll be awesome. And and last time you were out that way, I know you guys found the, the diamond back, but um, was, do I remember correctly that you were a little bit bummed out that you didn't find more stuff? So is this kind of revenge trip or? um yeah there was a couple species on there that we want i mean we overall we did pretty good um mm -hmm. but um i think uh alterna is a big one to try to be okay. able to see that was a, that was a real big one um and uh i think um 
it it was Justin Smith is going with us. Um, nice. So Justin and Phil are, are going, and um, they're you know you know how Justin loves uh, his uh, Baird's rat snakes. And right. We had just <laughs> missed one um, the, on the first trip because the it's kind of weird. We were driving up and down the road, and there's like people you just kind of talk to each other, and you'd be like. Yeah, I saw a bear rat snake down the road. You know, it's not there by the time you get there, but uh, of course, yeah. You know, it's like, damn it, you missed it. So, That's cool. So I'd Very like to cool. see that a but, coming together of the the two networks too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, did you did you check out the Reptile Fight Club? Uh, I did. I listened last night, and and that was a blast. I really enjoy that. I like the format. Good. You know, I was a little bit. Uh, curious at first how it was going to feel because Justin is such a nice person. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you know, like I couldn't imagine him like arguing very hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it was great. It was awesome. It totally worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm excited for more. And I think, I think, um, to me, I found myself just like talking to the, to the podcast as they were going, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's what I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right on. You know, whatever. And like, uh, just going back and forth, but, um, there's a great topic too, to kick things off. Yeah. 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 Versus uh, professional breeders and what each kind of can bring to the table. Yeah. I thought it was also pretty, pretty cool that, um, they had, um, you know, they picked which side they were going to be on Mm. at the beginning of the show. So it's like you, it's not like you could, formulate you kind of had to know both sides of the argument um to be able to Mm -hmm. do that so it's like you know they were they were well well studied on both both sides of the other thing so yeah very cool so that's gonna be a fun one for sure and and yeah i just i always love listening to to justin talk and and remind me i'm sorry what's uh the other other guy great too but i don't i'm not familiar with him so to listen to him for the first time yeah chuck is um chuck is kind of uh he's kind of he kind of he's kind of in the background he's not really out in the forefront of stuff but um he uh he used to be real uh, prevalent on um the morelia python forums okay um, so back in those days he he was kind of kind of on there a lot and um he's actually the first uh person to breed helma Harris scrub pythons in captivity in private collection nice so, in That's the awesome. u.s so yeah very oh cool. uh, yeah the, everybody seemed to like it that's cool yeah. yeah so yeah anything uh justin is a good addition to uh to the group of podcasts that we're trying to do and you know the cool thing that apple just came out with is that they have this where you can form a channel now Okay. Um, which I'm working on so that like, if you liked, you could subscribe to a channel and all the podcasts that are associated with that channel can, you, you'll be able to see and automatically get. So, um, kind of having yeah. an idea that that was coming down the line is kind of like how this sort of started to come together. And I'm glad so it's sort of- all of the affiliated NPR network podcasts will be on one channel. Yeah. Okay, there'll be awesome. separate feeds and all that, but like when you look at it, you know how like if you look at the podcast, you go into the app, you'll be able to go to the NPR network and like all the shows would be there. It would sort of be like similar to I guess how they do music. Like if you're looking yeah. up Coldplay, all Coldplay's albums would be there. For sure. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that'll be a lot uh, a lot more convenient. You know, Spotify, you kind of <clears> have to <throat> bounce around to find each one, know what you're looking for, which, you know, that's fine, but it'll be cool to be centralized. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Especially when we're up to, what, 13 shows? <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. blame people for getting one every now and then. <laughs> They're like, wait, what? <laughs> There's 13? What? Holy shit. That's pretty um, good. <laughs> yeah, we just did a uh I guess it will come out tomorrow, but uh me and Owen did a uh an episode with uh Ron St. Pierre for her history um nice. last week, which was which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was good. It was it was pretty good. You know, Ron Ron's a really cool dude and you know, um he's he's definitely an old school herper for sure. <laughs> you know, you can uh you can kind of tell that uh he's old school, but um but yeah, man, t- tons of uh, of good info on there and stories and all that kind of stuff. So nice, so cool. So, That's what nice. about your breeding season, man? How's it? Uh... Yeah. Things are things are progressing slowly but surely over here in the land of pythons that lay eggs when everybody else's eggs are already hatched. <laughs> <laughs> I constantly am reminding myself that I'm not actually behind. Nothing is wrong. Right. It's normal. It's weird, right? Oh man. It's so weird. <laughs> but uh yeah, so the one uh hypo head stripe ovulated, which I, you know, like that was my first time seeing an ovulation. So I was like pretty sure, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So I sent that picture to like everybody, and <laughs> Owen was like, Yes, either <laughs> that or she swallowed a cat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got the you know the reassurance from people that know what they're talking about. So that was really exciting for me. Um, right now I'm just waiting on that shed. Uh and the um the other hypo het stripe also feels like she's building went off food. So I might get two clutches of those. And then um one of my double het stonewash stripe pairs. Uh also she feels like she's building and she's off food. And I've seen them lock a few times, but uh neither of those two snakes have ovulated yet. So that's awesome. I don't know. I'm still just chucking <laughs> nails in with those ones. And the fourth right. one, the that final double head pair, I, I think it's probably safe to say she's not going to do it this year, but that's all right. I probably don't need four pairs of brettles trying to get started on food. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So did you think about what you're going to do to try to get that go- get them going or? Um, the, the two that have not ovulated yet. No, no, no. I mean, like or if you hit when you have babies. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I mean, uh, obviously I'll be chatting with, with folks that have done it and look for a little more advice, but I've stocked up on, uh, frog legs as a tool. I can scent with frog legs. I don't okay. know if they'll like that, but it's something different. Um, I know that, uh, for, certain species nick sense with chicken broth i i don't know i need to do a little bit more diving on what they like to what people like to do for brettles specifically but you know whatever i got to do i'm happy to do it i have no problem getting creative <laughs> yeah 100 percent. yeah owens i think owens i think he's had mixed results one year he had really good results getting them going and then the next year he's like i hate these things I want to send them back <laughs> you know you know how Owen is though, but, no. uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's cool, man. There's, there's a lot of, I'm starting to see a lot of cool stuff, uh, hatching out and, um, you know, uh, being, I know Riley's days away from, uh, the citrus tiger had albino, yeah. uh, clutch hatching, which 
will be awesome. It'd be really cool to see that. Uh, That's going to be sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm trying to keep my finger on the pulse of every posted Aspidites clutch this year. <laughs> too, you know, like I'm just surfing all of the web to try and look at as many of those as I can. And there's been some cool ones already um, popping yeah. out. And, What's yeah. like your ultimate goal to, are you trying to get uh, as like, is there certain looks you're going for? Are you just trying to get a diverse group or what's, what's In your terms of building my uh, future collection? Project? Yeah. Uh, well, with the Womas, it's definitely more of just like trying to build uh, a nice group where I can go in those two directions that I've talked about in the past, where on one end of the spectrum, I want to try and do, lighter color or like lighter toned or super orange, like maybe reduced pattern type stuff. And then right. the other direction would be kind of really high contrast, thick, dark bands. Cause I have kind of mostly the lighter orange stuff, but then I have this one male that is dark and beautiful. And I want to, you know, follow that thread, but I, I just haven't found the right girl for him yet to do that. Right. So, um, but then for blackheads, I just want to have all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It would be cool in an ideal world where, you know, they didn't cost thousands of dollars. I would love to have, you know, the, the, the stock where I can keep Western Westerns, the stock where I can keep Swiss Swiss, and then just play with the kind of mutt Easterns in between, if you will. Um, right. That would be right. sweet, but, uh, you know, we'll see if that's realistic. <laughs> is there, uh, I'm, you know, in Australia, you know, they have a little bit more, uh, morphs and yeah. know, projects like that. Is there anything over there you wish you, you could have? Honestly, if I could snag anything from Australia, it would be the Pilbara locality blackheads. Nice. They're just so nice. Like Jen Burt pythons post them up and I'd, salivate yeah. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> yeah. and, and some of the lazic line westerns in the states have a similar look um but they're just really hard to track down <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's there, you know that's like a python that's like really like maintained its value for a for for a long long time i guess i i guess it has to do with the fact of how hard they are to to make you know yeah, finished product of babies, you know. Right, right, right. It seems like a lot of folks are able to get to the mature stage, and then from there, you kind of get less and less at each step along the way, right? Like X amount of people get eggs, X yeah. minus one people hatch the eggs, X right. minus five people get the eggs to become babies that eat. You know, it's like. It, I don't know, but then some people are consistently successful too, which which leads me to believe that there is a a better way to do things where more people could have success. Um, maybe we just aren't there yet, but I'm excited to to get to that point where I can start trying to yeah hone in a little more. <laughs> I think I don't know. I I tend to think maybe it's all about the diet, you know. Yeah, it's about I'm I'm certainly. A, on that train as well. Um, but I will say too, like, I, you know, without throwing names out there, there is one really successful blackhead person I talked to that says that's all a bunch of malarkey and he pounds them 
full of rats and has great success. So it it just makes me kind of wonder what the heck's going on. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, uh, to pinpoint. Cause I know, uh, especially a few people I know in Australia that breed them, they said the same thing, you know, they're just like, we feed them full of rats, just yeah. <laughs> load them up with the rats. What are you doing? Why are you making this difficult? You know, just like, huh? Right. Okay. <laughs> no, it's an interesting one. And uh, you know, there's also the question of when you have a species like that, that spans the entire east to west gradient of a large continent. It might be fair to say that there's differences between the Easterns and Westerns. There has to be more research to determine whether they are significantly different enough to, to warrant any, you know, uh, taxonomy or anything like that. I'm, I'm not sure that it does. I'm not suggesting that, but sure. You know, the different morphology is clear, right? You can tell them apart and one yeah. is bigger than the other. So, you know, perhaps the answer is different depending on what you're actually working with. Like I think about that a lot with Womas. It's, it's frustrating to me. And and I talked with Casey from Zion Hill exotics about this um, when I uh, recorded with her earlier. Um, but, you know, Woma pythons have such distinct local um, morphological differences, right? Like the Southwestern ones or the Southern ones can go to like nine, 10 feet. Like that's documented. And, right. uh, you know, not knowing what we're actually working with in the States, like just the muddled stock. Yeah. <clears throat> I have no idea which Woma Python or what combination of Woma pythons are here. I don't know. It's, it's frustrating to me to not be able to know that because if I yeah. knew for a fact that I was dealing with Woma pythons that descended around the, the Brigolo belt, like I'd be giving them climbing opportunities because that's their yeah. natural history is to go hunt lizards and trees. But, you know, if right. you find Woma in the Tanami Desert, there are no, no trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, all that stuff really makes me wonder. And, and I wish that more was known and i know that's kind of what we all struggle with with all of these species <laughs> yeah 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 R more research needed yeah 100 i know <laughs> let's let's just say here um let me hit this on here so what is y'all's opinion on listing animals for sale at increased prices if it's an animal that you really don't want to get rid of but be willing to part with for an, an extreme price. I'm sure that Does that just mess up pricing for everyone else wanting to sell similar animals. Um, I don't personally, I don't think it messes up pricing for everyone else. Cause well, Hmm. Unless everybody else looks at that and then raises their prices too. <laughs> I don't know. Economics yeah. weird. I'm bad at economics. You go first. <laughs> Well, I, I guess my thought would be that like the the value that we put on snakes is just or reptiles is just like there's there's no real value to it. It's just what do you think it's worth, you know? And if somebody's just willing to say, okay, I would pay X for it. If you have an animal that's specific, is like special to you, and I there's been situations where you know I've I've hatched out animals and there's certain ones that I don't want to sell and people would ask. And I kind of put it at a crazy price because I'm thinking that I don't want to sell it, 
mm-hmm. and hopefully this will keep me from not selling it. And usually it does. But every once in a while, <laughs> you get somebody that is like, okay, I'll pay that. You know, right. um, you know, I guess if the person, if the person that's buying the snake feels that they're willing to pay it, I guess that's the value of the snake, right? I mean, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, personally, as a, as like when I'm in the market for something, if I see an animal that is clearly priced that way, like for example, the male Womas on Morph Market that are a thousand dollars a piece right now. Yeah, I just pretend it's not there. I don't take it. <laughs> um, right. So I, I don't know. I I think that it could potentially be unfortunate if the rest, if it's a market that's so small that the rest of the people that have animals to sell, look at that one first and think, okay, that's what mine are worth. But to your point, if people pay it, that's what they're worth. So I guess eventually the theory behind it all would be that it would just even out. Cause if it is astronomically absurd and nobody pays it, then everyone will lower it eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll know. <laughs> that's kind of what cold black exotics just kind of said, you know, like, if you put it there and it doesn't sell, then you should move it. I've I've also had the opposite where I've thought that, you know, uh, this snake was worth way more um, and I'm just not going to sell it because I'm just not selling it for $100. I'm just not doing it. I'll keep it. You know what I mean? And um, I think... I think that's kind of my feeling. You know, I'll probably run into this stuff with pop ones um, where you know, the value of them keeps, keeps going up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just not going to part with something that I think is more valuable. And if you don't, then that's fine. But, uh, I'm sure there, there are people that are, and if, if, if it is wrong, then I guess, you know, then you adjust from there. But, um, I see, I, I don't know. I, 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 I could be wrong. I, you know, you know how much I love selling snakes, so it's not really yeah. my thing. Um, but uh, I kind of see, I remember the market in like 2009 and maybe to about 2000 and until about when morph market came out, that seemed to sort of like level everything out. You know, I think, I think part of the problem in the past was, is like, again, like it's whatever we think the value is. So, you may have some people that have like this crazy idea in their head that this snake is worth more than what it is and they put it up and it just becomes the price, you know, mm-hmm. because people are like, uh, you see it all the time at like reptile shows, like you're setting up. I know at Carpet Row, we used to do it all the time. Like, what are you selling this for? What are you selling that for? What are you selling this for? And, you know, right. the problem that I always ran into is like a lot of that shit didn't exist. So if you're selling an albino zebra jag and, you know, there's only two other people in the country that produced them. Well, I don't know. That becomes even more difficult because you don't want to price it too high. You don't want yeah. to price it too low. Yeah, no, that that is certainly tricky. I, If I was a person that hatched out something where there's like less than five around or a world's first, if you were, I would have no idea what to price it at. And I would probably yeah freak out about it i'd probably agonize over it <laughs> yeah yeah i i think I, I could be wrong but my it's just my perception that the whole um more people being pet keepers mm-hmm. and and coming in not from the aspect of wanting to necessarily be breeders i think kind of 
makes the whole situation a little bit, uh, what would I say? Like a little bit, uh, uh, it's, it, the price isn't as, as, as volatile as it used to be. You know, um, I think that if somebody wants to have a nice setup of whatever, they would be willing to pay, uh, you know, X amount of dollars because they're not looking to get five of them. They're going to, you know, they're going to go right. uh, get one <laughs> or maybe two, whatever, you know. Um, for sure. No, that makes sense. Going yeah. for a true ghost next year, and I don't want to let any go. But if someone was willing to pay, I think I think more so what happens is the opposite, right? And this is where it would affect prices in the ball python world is notorious for this. I don't know if it's currently, but it used to be. And this is why I was talking about like 2009, where you'd have people that would come along and they would say, okay, a bumblebee is worth a thousand dollars, and then somebody else puts it for eight hundred dollars. Well, you have you know, somebody that comes along and they say, well, they're trying to undercut that other person because, you know, there's so many bumblebees because everybody rushed to make these bumblebees. And now, um, you know, the new price becomes $800 because yeah, you're either going to bring it to 800 or you're going to probably sit on them, you know, right. because you have that whole like, uh, well, you know, S Sam over there is selling them for 800 <laughs> <laughs> can i do yeah. my own voice well go buy it from sam <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh i mean the that whole more like rat race thing i just i really oh, don't do like that you know no. the pattern of it's new it's expensive everybody buys it because they think they'll be able to produce it and it will still be expensive but then by the time everybody else is producing it it is no longer expensive <laughs> and then nobody wants them. And it's like, why did you do it if you didn't like it in the first place? <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, everybody gets pissed. Everybody's mad at each other. This is where a lot of those fights would come from. Just like, you know, I was trying to undercut the, you know, the market and this and that. And there used to be actually people in the ball Python world that would do that. And I remember reading thread upon thread upon thread, like just like pages in this thread about, you know, like the banana, uh, how much that was. And then all of a sudden it just like dropped like, boom, you know, right. um, I think, you know, Keith is having an influence on me. And as far as that goes, it's like one of the things that he used to say to one of the things he used to say, one of the things that he said to me a lot was, here. Um, fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I say it like we're not, I don't know him anymore. One of the things that he said was like, when you're producing like selectively bred animals, you're in the driver's seat yeah. because nobody else has it. Like nobody yeah. else can create what you can create. A perfect example of that is Matt Minatola has the, uh, the uh, extreme, uh, marbles nobody else has that people have marbles people have nice marbles but not like him um and then you know the whole ocelot thing that he has is another thing like people have snakes that resemble that but like his his breeding you know it has led him to this spot and he's in control of that and you don't have to worry about somebody else dropping the price or whatever. So it becomes what you think it's worth, you know? So I always think too, when, when I think about these kinds of conversations, I remember the moment when in the, 
episode of NPR you did with Jason Hood on Blackheads because obviously that's one that I've listened to like <laughs> right. Um, there was one part in that where uh, he was talking about how people accused him of like flooding the blackhead market and ruining the blackhead market because he had more than like two clutches, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> something like if one person can destroy the market like that, yeah. it's not a yeah. market. Hundred <laughs> like, percent. Which is an interesting one, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's always a, a weird topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't really focus too much on that whole like that part of it anymore. You know, it's it's always been my least favorite part of it. You know, it's always been something that I don't want to like overcharge somebody. I don't want to undercharge somebody. I don't want to be the guy that dropped the price. I don't want to. I don't. You know, I just this is what I think the snake is worth, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, just anything like that just becomes so toxic so fast and yeah. you hate to see something that should be based on the animal yeah. become money toxic, you know? Cause yeah, that's, that shouldn't be the point in my opinion. Um, yeah. Agreed. hundred yeah. percent. Um, yeah. So I think Absolutely. Riley just said he, uh, Riley is near. <laughs> he just got home. <laughs> oh okay. so i uh i've been trying to pull out all the stops for for the, you know this season my first breeding season so i put all the male brettles in the car and tried that <laughs> whole thing <laughs> just because i want to try all these things you know that i've right. heard people talk about so I, I put them in the car i went around the block a few times and then i combated them and then paired them so i gave them like two tricks oh, in oh, one man. session. I was like, <laughs> you, you got a car in. ride and you got to scuffle. Um, and then they all went and went in the lay box where I can't see what's going on anyway, but fingers crossed that worked. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Are you doing maternal incubation? If it happens, are you? Yeah. Okay. If I only get the one clutch, um, that is, you know, looking really promising at this point. Um, she gets to keep them as long right. as she doesn't do anything to make me revoke those privileges, like laying in the water bowl or, you right. know, yada, yada, yada. If she's good, she keeps them. Uh, if I get two clutches, uh, I will probably let both of them keep them as well, just cause I need that data. Uh, mm -hmm. and then if I get three clutches, I'll let two keep them and I'll take one because I would love to also just get experience incubating eggs for the first time. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, I got this cool thing. I kind of talked about it on NPR, but it'll be on the one with Ron St. Pierre. But um, I saw it on Snakes and Stogies. It's this egg candler. Oh, it's nice. Like, That's yeah, cool. It's, it's pretty cool. It was on Amazon. I think it was like 10 bucks or something like that. But do people probably the, use that for like chickens and stuff? Chickens and stuff. Yeah. 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 So, but I was like, damn, that's pretty cool. I don't know how Justin found it or whatever, but um, yeah, he was Bad talking ass. about it. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay. I'm ordering that, you know, but it's <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, like that. Right. Put Have you been it. using it or no, you're still waiting on eggs. You're still, no, yeah, I'm eggs. still waiting yeah. on eggs. Yeah. So, but yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I always had trouble with, um, you know, the other kind of lights and getting it to go. So, mm. and I when don't I know. Was at, uh, yeah. You oh, uh, when I was at GX three for the first time a week ago, Sunday, um, Grant and I were checking out our, our blackhead eggs there and he candled one of them with the iPhone <laughs> flashlight. And <laughs> I mean, it kind of works, you know, you could see like veins yeah. and whatnot, but I'm sure I would have saw a lot more with something like that. 
Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Riley. Uh, He's near. He's upon us. Look up. Yeah. He said, where's the link? <laughs> Him. Owen buried the link. It was sabotage. That's the only reason Owen was chatting with us to bury the link. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I didn't even see what's going on with Owen. That's pretty cool. I didn't read it. Either. I won't announce it, but yeah. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he still didn't see it. Oh my god. Oh, nice. That's cool. Copy <laughs> link. Hold on. Yes. This is cool. Riley's it. gonna be safe. We're all gonna be COVID safe. Can actually get together yeah. one of these days and not worry. We about can it. herp now. <laughs> oh man, I would love to. That'd be fun. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, man. We uh wait, who's that? Sorry. So many no things worries. going on at once. All good. All good. I'll do another random fun fact. How about that? Yeah, do it. All right. So random fun fact of the week, May 17th. Uh, did you all people out there know that in a radio tracking study, uh, it was determined that the number one driver of habitat suitability for Woma pythons is the presence of suitable underground burrows, regardless of what human beings have done to the landscape. Even in extensively cleared agricultural areas, if suitable burrows were preserved, Woma uh -huh. pythons occurred. And in untouched areas, if there were no burrows, there were no Woma pythons. So maybe humans and Womas can coexist if those burrows were given a similar level of protection as things like uh, old growth trees and other keystone habitat types like that. That's huh. my fun fact. <laughs> Interesting. Very cool. Yes. Huh. Okay. It was the yeah, number because... one determinant of where they would occur at, uh, versus where they wouldn't. Yes, Robert, we are still planning a herp trip up by you. Uh, yes, we have to get up to the Poconos. I'm, I'm trying to get that together, but life got in the way for a little bit. But uh, yeah, we'll work that out for sure. Um, yeah, Wilma's in the so they're not they don't they don't try to dig barrows at all. They just sort of like uh, is that the thought? Like it um it has been confirmed in the academic literature that they can certainly enlarge burrows. Okay. Um, so it's like pre-existing burrows. They try to, it make seems like to suit themselves. Yeah. It seems like that's, that's the ideal situation for them is, is to utilize burrows that were made by um, other small mammals, things like bilbies, which is a fun word to say. Um, that doesn't mean they're not capable of, of digging on their own pretty extensively, but it, that's probably not their most ideal right. circumstance. Welcome Riley Jamison. <laughs> Riley. How, do you feel the five G's coursing through your veins? Yeah. The desire yeah. to praise Bill Gates. Um, <laughs> honestly, he, he made a total player move by divorcing his wife after getting all these women, this injection. Now he can go on his app and like, look them up and find the good looking single ones and be like, Hmm. You know, he's kind of a, he's kind of a, a pimp like that. Uh, that is but, a conspiracy theory for the ages. Well done. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but uh, well, no, ask me tomorrow if I'm, if I'm feeling, 
feeling it because I might be dead yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, shot number two is rough for me, and I think that's Eric right as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, I hear. it was rough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I heard that um, if you get uh, the shot and you've already had antibodies, you get really, really bad symptoms. Hmm. And uh, my coworker, Robert, um, I don't know if he's ever had exposure to it prior, but man, both shots knocked him on his ass for like three days. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so what have um, I missed? Well, uh, we just, had a little little chit chat about what we both got going on, and then some some market economic stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's more that's more Juicy. Riley's lane. He's more of the uh, Juicy. The market guy. You know, it's, he's dealing with the retail world of uh, right of uh, of everything. But basically, there was the question was, let's see what your well. First of all, which shot did you get? Let's yes, get that. We out must. Of the Moderna. Way. I got Moderna out of the way. Okay, okay. both of them right, Moderna. So. That's what I got. So buckle up, big guy. <laughs> I got Pfizer. Pfizer. Oh, okay. I've got, I've got a whole host of uh, of certain meds that I'm going to take uh, today and tomorrow. Yeah. Holistic and uh, herbal remedies, if you will. Oh, very good. Very well. Very well. Yeah, just Carry get on. through it, man. I don't know how <laughs> it will be for you, but for me, I just felt like I needed to drink an entire lake like i felt like so dehydrated i was just yes. slamming water <laughs> yeah. yeah i i imagine i'll be uh, glued to my brita filter today yeah yeah exactly oh man so let's That's back good. up one question um real quick uh the whole yes. thing with woman's with barrows so do you yes. think that keepers should focus on barrows and captive settings i think that uh it would certainly be a fun opportunity, um, to, to see more, you know, natural behaviors. And I think the snakes would appreciate it. Um, I think there's ways to simulate, a, a similar environment without having to do like three feet of clay or something like that, you know, which would be cool, but it, right. you know, that's quite a project, but you know, something that I like to do with those like basic reptile basics molded hides is just drill out a big hole in top on the top and bury them. You know, I, I think that I've seen a lot of snakes appreciate that sort of thing. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you can do it, I think they'll use it and I think they'll enjoy it. Uh, I wonder but, if it could be, if you could yeah. set something up like where you had sort of like, you know, even if you put whatever on top, but you had like a PVC type of thing going from one spot That'd to another cool. and then opening up to a big chamber or something like that, you know? Yeah. You really I, like what Alex go. Oliver said here, an ant farm for like a Woma where it's pressed <laughs> yeah. up against glass and you can see the caverns. That's what I yeah. want to do someday. <laughs> yeah. You could absolutely do that. Yeah. And yeah, just for a little bit more context, I mean, the, the speculation behind why there's those burrows are so important is because um, the study actually looked at all shelter in that specific area, you know, logs, tree hollows, brush, all these things. The underground burrows were the only potential shelter in the area that could buffer the extreme cold and the extreme heat to a level that was manageable. Um, okay. So in captivity, you know, we don't subject our snakes to sub-zero temperatures and Right. Hopefully we don't subject them to 115 degree heat either. Uh, so it, you know, it's, it's not necessary. It might be more of a, uh, a what you might call it, uh, uh, necessity. Th the reason that they cling to them like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, so back up to get Riley's thoughts on, uh, the whole 
market question and we'll get into some of these other questions here but um so basically it was the thought was it's like if you have a snake and you think it's worth uh more um than you know say you say you think it's worth two thousand dollars but the going rate for a said snake is a thousand dollars do you think that it affects the market because you really don't want to sell the snake so you priced it so high hoping not to sell it you know um you, you, we've all done that. Have yeah. had situations or have seen that. What's, what's your thoughts? Do you think that that affects the market to where that price then becomes that higher price? Um, <clears throat> one person pricing an animal extra high to sort of like avoid selling it, but like is open to it at a high price. I don't think one person doing that affects the market at all. I think. If it's a big personality or somebody with a, a large audience, people are going to pay attention to all of their moves and price points and things. And, and a lot of folks will uh, then use those as standards. So if somebody who is looked to as like, that's the person you go to for X, and they start pricing it at a certain point that, you know, is widely regarded as the standard for good quality of species X. Now, if somebody comes along and is like, Hey, I've got one too. I'm sort of on the fence of selling it, but I'd sell it for like twice what I don't think that affects the market uh, in any way. I think that's just a one-off instance. I think if you have a massive clutch or a huge litter or multiple, or there's a bunch of people doing it all at the same time, that most certainly will affect things. But um, just one-off, you know, somebody pricing something high end because it's got a little more sentimental or aesthetic value to them or, something like that i don't think that hurts anything if somebody goes and buys it that doesn't mean that that's now the industry standard i think that's where people are often mistaken um if you were to go on uh morph market right now you you might be able to find a listing of a 2019 brazilian rainbow boa up there for like 950 dollars, which is ridiculous mm. um but the reason why he's probably putting that up there is because there are no other 2019 rainbow boas up there. They're all babies and they're all other various projects. And, you know, if somebody is looking for something older, that's literally your only option. Now, is that going right. to change the market? And absolutely not. So. Gotcha. That's my, that's my two cents on somebody marking something up super high. Just like a one okay. off thing is. I, I don't see any problem with it. I don't necessarily agree with it and mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it sells all the time. And that's probably what I think the other thing people need to realize is just because you see an ad with the snake up for the price doesn't mean that's what the market is. You've got to remember that that snake yeah. hasn't sold. No, hundred you know, yeah. what yeah. were all the other ones that were up there that sold real quick at and what were the ones that took a few days to sell and what were the ones that were the last ones to sell? Cause that gives you your range right there. That's like, that's like cheating. That's, that's like asking for the answers to the test right there. The first ones that sell, okay, that's the low end, probably too low. The ones that sell the following week, once all those cheap ones are gone, that's probably pretty close to what market value is, is asking for or sort of dictating. And then anything above that is just people waiting for everyone to have no other option and just that they want something and that they don't, they don't have the choice. And that's how these markets work. Yeah. So for sure. Gotcha. 
Like that $1,000 adult male Woma. Mm. Right. <laughs> it's going to be there while the Woma page on Morph Market is kind of a shit show right now because it's those and then it's the like Woma ball python hybrid sure. <laughs> thing. Well, that and the, thing, the thing with the species like a Woma is it's such a non-mainstream species that isn't produced in any mass quantity. There haven't been like a consecutive amount of years where enough people are producing them where you can get very clear, obvious in your face market trends for that species. So you just kind of, the first few people to, to produce Wilma's, they probably just put a, a, a made up price on there for what they thought was worth it based on the industry standards at the time. And then let the sales or lack thereof dictate how that changed. And every year you adjust based on market response, how many other people mm -hmm. are working with them, breeding them, so on and so forth. Yeah, and, and when they they fall by the wayside and and they lose popularity and people aren't breeding them, price goes up because that's you know the law of supply and demand. For sure, <laughs> and, and I would imagine too, it it gets a little bit further muddied with species like that with such an enormous amount of variation, right? Like right. A, a woma can be e Brown. extraordinary or very drab, and you know they yeah. probably will not be and shouldn't be priced the same. So mm -hmm. yeah, there is quality to, variation for sure compared to a species where everybody kind of looks just about the same. That makes it a little easier. Like what yeah. Owen was talking about when he was trying to move his olive pythons, he's like, yeah. boy or girl, <laughs> right? They all look the same. <laughs> well, the nice thing is nowadays for the majority of species that aren't any like morph driven species, but they're not extremely rare where only like one or two people are breeding them. There's kind of been like somewhat of a market, like buffered range for those species. And, to me, things that are produced relatively infrequently, but you, 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 can't, you can't really call them rare, something like a Woma or Dumeril, something mm -hmm. like that. You tend to see like the average price of those in the three to four to $500 range mm -hmm. um, for a lot of those species and then going up based on quality, lineage, breeder, so on and so forth. Um, right. And then there's also a ceiling too. That's the other thing. There is such a thing as... Uh, going too high and and that's that's i think where people really get confused because yeah i mean supply and demand you can essentially if you're the only one with an animal it's a one-off you can yeah. you could ask whatever you want right but the market has a history of of what is realistic and what isn't and there's only one or two people that'll pay these heinous prices and it's not for these rare one-off species it's for morphs it's for things that have future income potential there's a lot of risk involved when you're trying to get a species started or or just get into it it's not a huge money-making thing getting a, a crap ton of womas you know what i mean like there isn't billions and billions of woma people out there there's billions and billions of ball pipe ball python people out there and so it's just a little right. bit different so i think right. not over yet, the years yeah, there should oh, yeah. Be. if Lucas keeps going, there might be. Um, but the way I see it is there's enough of a history of when something is new and unprecedented and it hits the market and at these prices, it doesn't sell and these prices it sells. Mm -hmm. I find that a realistic maximum for a, like a new morph in carpets or uh, a new species that is like only first bred sort of thing, there's a maximum and it's like, $4,000 seems to be where like new carpet morphs come in at when they're first available to the market, new species and things. 
you don't even see the price because most people are just putting them responsibly here and there. And that's all done hush hush behind back doors. But, you know, rare species where there's no morphs and it's just kind of a one-off thing. I feel like the, the maximum is a thousand dollars usually, unless it's yeah. something like Dunai or Tracy a or, or Bolin eye or Apodora or whatever it may be, you know, like there's a handful of species that sort of don't have enough, uh, enough historic reproduction and kind of input from the past to give anybody an idea of what prices realistically could be. So right. mm -hmm. I think it just varies from species to species. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. yeah. GTPs are crazy right now. Yeah. What's, uh, what's up with those guys? I've always kind of, I've always kind of revered Condra's whether designer or pure locality stuff to be kind of, a top tier price point that does sell regularly at the high end um, because it's such a, a regarded difficult species, not for any reason other than sometimes they just are difficult. Um, I think uh, probably the importation part of it probably mm -hmm. affected the uh, supply. I would think. Yeah. Casper um, no longer. Yeah. You know, um, I think that, uh, you know, especially over the last year or so, not being able to really get import importation. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Dan not being in the market um, has affected uh, availability. Um, as much as I don't know, every time he did a video, he said the Gondro people didn't like him or whatever. I I don't I don't know any of his problems with them, but I'm not really in the. Uh, um, Condro community, if you will, um, to right. say to to say one way or the other. I do think that that species has not been figured out yet. Yeah, I think we think we know what's going on, but I think we we just keep them wrong. You know, um, uh, you'll get a little tidbit uh, from. So, I'll give a little teaser. Right, we were talking to Ron Saint Pierre, and I was talking to him about the episode he did with um, Owen and Rob a while back, where he talked about the do. Um, and how, like, you know, just trying to recreate uh, that whole thing to try to make his animals healthier. And, like, you know, it never really dawned on him that they're drinking the dew in the morning and blah, 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 and all this stuff. So um, he sort of, and, and again, I'm probably going to butcher this, so I'm, I'm just going to kind of leave it a little vague. But um, he sort of talked about how, like, uh, we know that chondros, uh, you know, drink and even carpets for that matter, drink uh, off their coils and stuff like that. But arboreal mm -hmm. snakes, he's, he kind of – his thought is that maybe they absorb more through their uh, skin than we think as far as uh, moisture because he was having the same problems with these, um, you know, the anoles that he was breeding um, with prolat, all, all, the, all the classic chondro issues – we're showing themselves in another reptile. Mm -hmm. um, and when you see that, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think the humidity thing, you know, that's such a tough thing to get in captivity because if you have it too wet, it's going to lead to mold and all those other problems that come along with that. If you have it too dry, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I think that's one of the big causes of respiratory infections and in carpets yeah. mm -hmm. is, uh, <clears throat> lack of, lack of humidity. Um, yeah, but yeah, we've, I, uh, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead, Riley. 
I was just gonna say we've got these monkey anoles in that kind of make me uh, like rethink everything about how you approach keeping uh-huh. and there isn't anything published on their husbandry there just isn't mm-hmm. so they came in and i was like these things are cool how do we do this and it's like i don't know <laughs> figure it out and i'm like oh crap so, <laughs> yeah you know here we are a few weeks later and i'm getting direct feedback on what i'm doing that they like and they seem to be one of those animals where they'll give you direct feedback with the the husbandry errors, they like misting. And I think about that episode and chondros and misting and stuff because these animals will sit there and then first thing in the morning, if I come in and spray water on them, the male will start chugging water, but he won't yeah. do it the rest of the day. And I'll miss right. them throughout the day. And what happens is when I miss them, their color tone changes and like the bright colors start coming back out. And then they go back into a resting color and throughout the day, you'll see that. But first thing in the morning, man, if you've got... Right got it on like right when the lights come on or a misting system dialed in it's very very different and you see it and uh mm-hmm. yeah i'll i'll never forget that episode that that ron st pierre did talking about that because he's uh he's got some amazing anoles and i i really geeked out with those small woods when i was at the zoo and got to produce those babies uh they of course yeah. hatched after i left but you know <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, similarly, I, I, I think that with the chondros, that hydration piece is so important. And I have found recently that my Aru female will drink if I just spray a constant stream at her mouth. Um, she just starts drinking it. And, and <laughs> so I, I just do that whenever I'm standing around in the living room, I'm like, all right. And then I just start doing it and she's getting more water in her than she would be if I wasn't. So, right. It just kind of an interesting thing. I'm, I, I'm sure not all of them would do that, but the fact that she does do that, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine, um, I think we've talked about this before, but a friend of mine, I'm not going to say his name cause I don't think he likes his name out there, but mm-hmm. anyways, very smart guys when keeping, reptiles for years and years and years and he designed this chondro cage um where you know it 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 boosts the humidity and then there's fans that pull that humidity out so that it has a cycle but you know Mm -hmm. so it's not like constantly wet um and he's noticed a huge improvement in keeping chondros right right so you know and i i think about like you know again like all the people that we've had on npr with a with talking about chondros and stuff, you know, it would be like, you don't have to miss them. You don't have to miss them. And I think that just applies to, you know, that whole thinking of where you're at, you know, Mm -hmm. like you could be somewhere like in Colorado where Rob's at, it's just no humidity at all. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just, I don't know. You guys have humidity, right? Or no, is your, your humidity Uh, kind of sucks. Not, not where Riley's at, where I'm at here, right next to the Bay, it sticks around 50, 60% or so I'd say. Okay. Maybe right. drops to 40, but yeah, decent. Not like yeah. East coast, but <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. here just loaded with humidity. So a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the original, like, well, a lot of the original chondro people that I knew were all basically in Maryland. I don't know why Maryland was like the hub of chondro people, but <laughs> that's where they all were, you know? And, um, you know, they would not spray and they would, they would constantly say that you shouldn't spray, but you know, then, other people still do. And, you know, so I I don't know. It's, it's like that thing about understanding natural history, being able to apply that knowledge 
to being able to keep the animal and then adjust when it kind of goes right or left, you know, and to get it back on track type of thing. But mm-hmm. I feel like if somebody were to try and set up like a small building or a room, set it up ambient 82 degrees and have fans that came on, you know, middle of the day and then misting systems that came on first thing in the morning and then in the evening and just had the whole thing dialed in. So the room itself was, you know, a bunch of plants and screen cages and kind of took a chameleon approach to keeping chondros in a big ambient style like that. I think those animals would thrive. Um, Yeah. You know, just having been around enough chameleons in the shop and seeing how they behave when water's dripping Mm -hmm. and their sensitive behaviors and how prone they are to prolapsing and food issues and hydration issues and stuff. Sure. Very similar vein, even though they are, you know, not necessarily, you know, in the same region, but uh, a lot of the same sensitive behaviors apply. And I, and I, I've got to think if, if you could set something up ambient where you've just got missing, where the whole building is getting misted at a certain time and a bunch of plants in there and all these chondros have their, their areas and their Mm. perches and the whole thing was just (laughs) lit up. Like you just had like, a light overhead, a tropical UVB on a, an astrological timer. And then you just had fans kick on middle of the day. And then first thing in the morning, misting system in the evening, misting system after lights out and then just have the whole thing controlled ambient 82 degrees and just have condors everywhere. I think they would thrive. Yeah. Just make the, the vine forest, the cloud forest in your room. Just do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, Go get a grow tent and do that. <laughs> the ultimate, the ultimate, um, you know, like uh, Morelia cage would be like, you know, you have like the chondros down on the lower level and the jungle level and whatnot. And then, you know, you have like this big side of a mountain basically going up this thing. The and then you got this, the scrubs and then the bowlings all the way at the top. Yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you just keep them and it's like, uh, and then throw a door in there and watch them all disappear. <laughs> you know, it, it was interesting. Um, somebody messaged me on Instagram, which I don't check all that. I actually don't check social media at all anymore, all that often. But um, the uh, um, they were talking about we were talking about breeding Bones pythons and like some of the thoughts and you know different things we thought about and. Um, we had mentioned, I think I had said it that they're, you know, you, they haven't f- found males in the wild. Um, and uh, maybe that's because they're, you know, they have to travel uh, in order to, you know, get them going or whatever, you know, um, which I thought was, uh, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that may be, uh, that may I be, if, uh, I wonder if males like, because we don't find them if they combat in the wild, like if they come across them in combat and then that dejected male just like definitely doesn't try breeding that season. And the other male is just very seclusive about it. I could be, I, I, for some reason I think they, I thought that they do combat, but I I could be wrong with that one. I don't, I don't know. I would expect a species with, uh, with rare opportunities for breeding in high elevation and harsh terrain if there's males nearby, I would think like the opportunity to, yeah. to mate would be very important. Golan. It's all fun Bolans. and games until the Bolans, Spilota, and 
bowl of pondro. Ryan, come <laughs> on. Ryan, why are you always Ryan is he's fixated with hybrids, man? Like Ryan. it's just like I think he's trolling us, man. He's he just is. the troll. He'll, message me, he'll probably message me later and he'll be like, I'm glad I said that. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ryan, by the way, here's a hybrid for you that I shared with the, the guys. You guys saw it and Eric like vomited emoji wise. Um, there was a post of a, a pop wind carpet diamond Python hybrid. Oh, yeah. And uh, it just looked like a coastal for one. And then it made me throw up too. And uh, it was gross. So you said cohab. <laughs> yep. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there was a thread. I, I want to say it was on the carpet Python discussion page or whatever. And I, you know, I, Brandon had, had put it up and basically oh. the old, uh, what's my carpet type post thing. Oh, and, fuck me. Yeah. And it was like, and I, I'm like, I'm reading it and I'm, I'm watching this. There was one guy on there and he was getting super sensitive about the fact that like he, he doesn't see why he understands why breeders are so adamant about, you know, knowing lineage and all and like, but he, he doesn't like lineage. So he doesn't think, well, it's not that he doesn't like lineage. It's just that he likes a specific look, which is fine. You know what yeah. I mean? That's not, that's not, who cares, you know? It's not important. Um, and he sort of got the impression, but see, this is, this is the problem with social media in all of those posts that they made. Nobody ever said that a cross was less, right? But right. that's how it's come, comes across. Right. Because it comes across because you're trying to promote this way or you're trying to say that this is how I do it and this is the way I think. By doing that, you automatic people automatically assume that you're putting down their way. You know what I mean? And right. it's like this is the struggle to communicate on social media. You know, it's just like, God damn it, man. I never once said that they were and I there was a couple times where I'm like, I gotta insert into this. And then I'm like, no, no, no. The other yeah, side of my brain's like, no, don't do it. Eric, <laughs> not anymore. Eric, I started that group, I don't know how many years ago, five years ago, yeah. six years ago. I quit yeah. that shit four years ago. Yeah. There you There's go. There's multiple reasons. And yeah. they all have first and last names, and they're usually in that group with loud voices and a lot of ignorance. Yeah. And sensitive, sensitive yeah. skin. There is so much yeah. lost in digital communication. Like, yeah. don't yeah. assume I'm saying something is bad. Don't put words in my mouth. If I didn't say that crosses are bad, then don't assume that that's what I'm implying. Right. Just all, saying it's not for me. All of the tone is lost. And for some reason, people just love to insert the oh, most so negative bad. default tone. <laughs> just yeah. hat, hats off to Brandon because he's like this relentless warrior of like yes. teaching the good and fighting the good fight yes. and all that shit. I burnt that that flame of me burnt out a long time ago. I could give a fuck about if the next generation of of these people are like able to research things for themselves and figure out that these questions that have been asked a million times are are worthwhile because there's ten years of podcasts. There's years and years of, of information online. There are books, there are plenty of people out there. And I'm sorry if, if this, this group of people in the world today needs answers spoon fed to them. Sorry, not, not for me. Bye. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to participate in that. It's not yeah. because I don't care about a, a future generation of carpet people, carpet keepers coming up and being informed. 
it's because the ones that are trying to come up don't have the the ethics and the values and the the work ethic to to figure this stuff out and the genuine passion they just want the answers so they can get the fastest way to breed to make money and be somebody because they're so fixated on the label of a breeder because it's the attention that they think that it's just so misguided in so many ways it's awful i think the whole just the whole thing is i think it can be summed up in 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 two trains of thought right the first train of thought is is that you know the problem with the people that are getting across and i don't even care that they say what is my carpet python but the problem is is that they'll post something like that and then somebody will come along that just doesn't have the nut. Well, shit, man. Even myself, sometimes I look at some of these and I'm just like, huh, I don't know. Looks like this. You know, I, I get a I get that message probably at least twice a week, right? Hey man, do you know what this is? You know, and it's just like I'm like, mm, and I hate to say it almost sounds like I feel like the statement of if you don't know what it was bred to, then you're never going to know kind of comes across a little bit elitist to me almost sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, I, I don't think that's what it's meant, but it's almost like it's this statement. Yeah. This statement is sort of formulated to sort of just like give this person this answer so that you can move on. So there's no more explanation. It's just sort of like we've, we've made it into a soundbite to where it's like, okay, we can say this and this is what we're all going to repeat. And I think that's where maybe the, the person on the other side of it takes it as this elitist type of, um, you know, approach, like, you know, I'm just trying yeah. to figure out what this is, but right. you know, at the same time, they just don't understand yeah. Because they don't have the knowledge behind them and you're trying to sort of like, you know, it's not like I can explain to you what's going on with a carpet python in a message. It's just, right. it's, you know, it's it, too hard. Yeah, it's just yeah. too much going on. Not I even think- to mention the fact of the variability of what you would see in the wild, like yeah. and what yeah. we have and what is in the wild. That's why Australians look at us like, what are you talking about locality? That's bullshit. Like, what do you mean, man? That's not locality, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, uh, you know, and and then the, the, the problem is, though, is that they'll go on to this. this, this. Somebody will say it looks like, uh, you know, it looks like an IJ. And then that snake becomes an IJ. Yeah. So then the newer people that are even coming in after that person, now that snake is represented as an IJ. And that's what they look at as a phenotype for an IJ when that might not be accurate. But, you know, you know what I'm I don't know, man. It's just it's yeah. such a it's such a difficult you know, topic to sort of like not come across as an asshole, but at the same time say the right information so i don't i don't know man. yeah it's- i think that little catchphrase just a quick response because it is pretty hard to un- unpack yeah hmm jack hammer <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they've been so great and yeah. now all of a sudden they're like there it is. Nice. <laughs> it's all good. That's what my brain feels like when somebody asks that <laughs> question. <laughs> That's why I left that room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I will t- um, here. Like, uh, we will do this real quick since we didn't do wild it last carpet week. python of the day. Yes. 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 And in this one, uh, we're going to talk about my favorite. 
Uh, and I'll show you why it's my favorite once you see this beauty. Um, <laughs> it is a Morelia Imbricata. Nice. Here we go. So, yeah. Look at that snake, man. That's so this is from Forestinia, Western gorgeous. Australia. Wow. And that's where that would be, right there. Okay. Which is where we would have been, Riley. Damn it. Oh, you, guys damn were, it. you guys were going southwest, huh? Yeah, that's where we would have, we would have been in that area. Um, yep. Destined for birth in all sorts of areas around there. Kind of looks like there's some pictures of the environment. You guys got to go find a, a Southwest Woma, break the streak of 20 years or whatever without finding one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, wow. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that, that landscape right there. Yeah. And like, it's, I keep thinking that man, wherever there's trees, you're going to find those carpets, but yeah, man, look at that. Uh, Stunning. That's a cool looking snake, man. It would be fun really? to like be able to go camp out there, spend some time. Like if you had enough resources and water and things to really just dig around under some bushes and like look in those sand crevices, see what's oh, out hell there. Yeah. 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 That is a beautiful, beautiful snake. Big perenni come through your camp and shit, you know? <laughs> that <laughs> like, would be uh, heaven. That would be so cool. Yeah. I think I think perennies might be my my favorite monitor i i think they take the cake man they're pretty they badass looking they're pretty <laughs> cool man. one day i i'm huge hugely in love with our lace monitors though mm. even after well, they sprayed you the other day <laughs> yeah i just forget that that female when you pick her up she just evacuates her bowels and i was picking her up and i hadn't handled her in a week or so and i just completely forgot i was going in there to feel if if she had eggs or follicles going but she's been refusing food so uh, i picked her up and she exploded yeah if the cane toads don't get them first yeah when am i getting imbricata well i don't know when they're available yeah, when? to get <laughs> I would anything buy them they swim across into the u.s that's let why. me ask this question do you guys have like a specific reptile that you kind of have like this fun that you just tuck away money to constantly like you know just and you have like this little stash of money ready to go on the fly. Like if you saw like a Western blackhead pop well, up. That's what I was going to say. Like... I used to have that, but I spent it on a Western blackhead. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. All right. You have to replenish. Yeah. I have an Imbricata fund that I've been uh, putting together since like 2013, nice. man. That's so, awesome. That is awesome. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Maybe I, one I, day. I'm never good enough at spending or saving for funds and future things. I just, I dive right into it. So I haven't been able to actually save, but um, maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> we got to do the yeah. math. Like how many cents do you have to put away every day to have Embricotta money in three years? Yeah. It's like a cup of coffee a day or something like that. That whole thing for just one or, cup well, of coffee I'm, a day. You can uh, <laughs> drink it beer for like a well, month. There you go. I'm too down already. <laughs> well, yeah. you got that expensive coffee. I just got the I, homemade shit. <laughs> I loaded up today. Yeah, I got to buy more beans, but I decided to just do that today because I needed the lift. <laughs> oh, man. I finally yeah. burned through my wild Timor coffee and I'm back on the uh, whatever the heck this is. It's good, but I don't remember what it's called. Hmm. Yeah, Parentes, man. You know they they were bred in the U.S. You know that, right? And really? In the yeah. U.S. legally. 
Yeah, yeah. Ty Park has yeah. one. Um, there's, yeah, only one person's bred them so far. So you you can go out to Ty Park's Iguana Land and see one. I'm pretty sure LA Zoo has one. Um, I've posture. never seen one in person. Yeah, Just the way so they posture and that throat, it's so cool. I like the build and the 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 slender uh, nature and the look of a lot of the uh, the monitors that are known for being tree climbers and arboreal ones. So all the tree monitors, I love their body proportions. They're just a beautiful animal. Um, water monitors are like the husky version of what I like. You know, I love our water monitors at the shop. Um, but man, a lace monitor is like a, it's like the athletic version, like the the really fast, lean, gonna jump up a tree version. They're yeah, like they're birds, cool. man. They they just the yeah. way their eyes like look and they they can be a little twitchy in the way they move and and how fast they are and the way they react and interpret stimuli is very much like birds in my experience. So hundred um, percent. The 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 laces are cool because you can see them go from being this like very instinctual machine to thinking to reacting to rest like all these different things and and been building trust with them has just been so so freaking cool and monitors i mean you know now with your ackies it's just like it's a different level of interaction it's a different level of intelligence it's a different level of behavior feedback and it's so satisfying oh yeah man yeah um look Spencer's at this monitors are dope too Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine seeing that in the wild? Like, holy that is, shit. That is so cool. That would be a violent fight. Yeah, man. That would be very violent. I wonder if you have to do that in order to breed them. Mm. Probably not. Yeah. Monitors seem to just want to breed if you've got the right. Well, I guess I should very much put an asterisk with that. Um, I'm sure Mike Stefani is probably yelling into his computer like, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like uh, the snakes. It, yeah right um mon yeah in my experience monitors like if you get their climate and dial them in right and get the humidity uh -huh. and the temperature right like really hot and get their food preferences figured out and get that all squared away and then you've got a compatible pair they do the rest i mean it's a lot of work on the front end you know and making sure they're compatible and of age and size but Man, our water monitors breed readily. Our tegus breed readily. The uh, the lace monitors are breeding, and they're like two. So, um, oh, wow, yeah, this our female's been refusing um, refusing food lately for the last week. So she's really? huge. Yeah, and they're only two, so she's like half adult size. Huh. This is gonna upset you, Riley. But uh oh, <laughs> oh wow, that's badass. A perenni eating a lace. Yeah. Holy hell. That's crazy. Oh, man. I think I need to experience working with a, a perenni one day or at least just share a space with one and really just see how they move to see how I could compare them. But I bet you they're, like, smarter and more intense than a lace. Oh, yeah. I would think so. I but, think uh, uh, Scott would be able to tell us that because he has yeah. them. But, uh... Yeah. Whenever we can get over there and go visit Scott, that will be how I – Oh, I'd love to see his place, man. That out. Yeah. Oh, dude. To, to see his venomous room would be a dream come true. My head would just go boom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Too much info. Boom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we'd have to spend like a week out there so we could have like multiple nights of like 
bonfire chats with whiskey, cigars, and oh, chit-chatting, yeah. and then herping, field herping, like all the good stuff, like night runs, like I'll tell you what, man. I said it before. I said it a thousand. I said it multiple times on NPR. But uh, Herp with Scott was awesome, man. Because he's like, he he's he. First of all, he's he found the snake like, like that. You know what I mean? He's like, he's rushing to the airport. He's got like uh, an hour window with us or whatever. He's like, you know, no worries, mate. We're going here. He takes us to this park. He's like, uh, just walk on that trail a little bit. You know, blah blah blah. Next thing you know, it's like, ah, found one. (laughs) What the. That's crazy. That's We're looking for days. Like, what the hell? That's crazy. Uh, and he just finds this beautiful coastal carpet. And then, like, he's, he's, he's like yodoing, Yoda and you as you're like walking and like he's teaching you. And you don't even realize that you're being taught, you know, you know, all these different yeah. things about herping. And yeah, yeah. Man, it was, it was badass. So I that's, could, um, I could yeah. geek out for days with somebody like that. So, I mean, you know, Riley, I know. You know, you're not officially. Uh, I know you're like looking to move or whatever, but you know, I'm just saying we could have like you know, like an Australia, uh, you know, like uh, uh, a snake discovery Australia uh, type of uh, place where people can come and see. Uh, yeah, I know how to manage the shop. I know how to yeah. run a retail yeah, side of things. Are you, are you talking about moving to Australia? No, Philly. Oh no 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 no! We're oh, talking about moving oh, to PA oh. somewhere yeah, and setting up to, a nice. Uh, you know, can I come? Forever. Yeah. I'm in. I'll move too. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yeah. Riley's my manager for life now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's uh he's already called out sick once. Well, I was I I, <sighs> I am still sick. <laughs> he's supposed to be working right now, actually. Who? Oh shit! Oh no! Yesterday you were supposed yesterday. to yesterday. Yeah. You were supposed to work yesterday. Called out. Shit. Oh, it was. <laughs> I, I I had I said already at the beginning of the episode, but uh, I also, in addition to dying of an yeah. unknown plague, I also like injured my back and couldn't move. <laughs> so uh, I tried to crack it a little too violently and tweaked something you're not even 30 you don't even have the age oh, right to complain about back problems we need a whole podcast for me to go over the things wrong with my spine already <laughs> I, oh, I had to quit i had to quit baseball sophomore year of high school after a bunch of mris showed that my discs couldn't handle it anymore <laughs> bro oh, shit drink yeah. milk i got yeah, real man. problems <laughs> Oh man! Oh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But, uh, we're we're yeah. happy. We're happy to have uh, have you there for the weekends because uh, pretty soon you and I are going to be like the uh, the weekend team. Uh, right on. Yeah. I think next change, so. next weekend I'll be there Saturday, so we'll have some time together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we Woo-hoo. need to we need to start a uh, a big reptile zoo in in Pennsylvania. I I think that we should actually do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lucas can be in charge of the uh, Aspidites wing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if we if get you, accredited it, and literally the, the hardest part would be finding a good building. Yeah. And setting up accounts with uh any sort of manufacturers if we were to have a retail section in order to fund it and then just building it and insurance it would be easy as long as you don't have anything venomous. If you do have venomous and the insurance just costs a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then yeah you've just it's a lot of just putting the 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 place the, all the pieces in the right places having enough people on hand and having a good uh good line of credit a good building and you yeah. know 
And it doesn't have to be all snakes. You know, Owen would love oh. to have a kangaroo and a cassowary. There would be a, an entire squirrel room just for Owen. <laughs> would it be flying squirrels? It would have to be flying squirrels. It would be, it be, can't be I would like squirrel species from representative regions around the world. Yes. Uh, any news on Carpet Fest? Oh, man, this is something that Nick drilled me about. And like, oh, yeah, I'm like he's like, yeah, we should just do Carpet Fest. And I'm like, yeah, Nick, um, you just can't like have Carpet Fest. It just doesn't like boom. I know it yeah. feels like that when you attend a Carpet Fest, right. but <laughs> it takes months of planning to do Carpet Fest. Um, I, I'm going to say no to anything in PA. Um, well, at least for the Northeast uh, version, it's possible. <laughs> Zoom call. It's possible we might have maybe a, a, a small group or whatever, or, you know, something like that. But like, I, I just, you know, I, I got to worry about my neighbors and stuff. You know, the last thing I need is like, so, you know, spotlight coming on me is like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, so it's, it's it definitely in 2022. Cool. It still Absolutely feels a little 100%. too soon, you know? Yeah. 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 For like, sure. even California's, uh, they're saying that as of June 15th, they're going to lift all mask mandates except for uh, large gatherings of indoor and outdoor, like sporting events or concerts and things. But otherwise, if you work somewhere and all the employees are vaccinated, no masks, that like that sort of thing, other than like maybe grocery stores. So even though that's going to happen in a couple weeks, it's, I still feel like, jumping right into just you know a yeah. willy-nilly sort of thing depending on the state of course but like you know some people are going to be different and some of your neighbors are definitely going to feel differently and maybe not as comfortable about it and yeah you don't want to you don't want to cause any rift you don't want to upset anybody you don't want to potentially Man. like yeah like i'll tell you what even like i know that i'm vaccinated and that and that i don't need to be as anxious about it anymore but the thought of like going to a grocery store without a mask like that just makes me so anxious it's weird like even though it's yeah. totally fine my i'm still conditioned to be afraid <laughs> oh, dude, uh, grow a beard and then you'll be so glad to never have to wear masks well there I, you go yeah <laughs> beard over mask every day bro yeah like, i've seen you with your your bowling mask. mask trying to do that <laughs> yeah and it like it, it like puts this weird lip in my beard it makes all curl out and looks all stupid and i'm like ah it's gross you know what yeah. if i need to wear a mask somewhere i'll just go like this around the store right. <laughs> there you go. Hey, i mean don't get me wrong i i don't <laughs> like wearing them but it's just been so long now that it's gonna yeah. feel bizarre oh yeah it'll yeah be interesting getting back to you know, an older way of life yeah and yeah like it's a reminding myself that it's okay <laughs> It's it, it's not even it's not even the mask part of it that's the it, like PA is it, I think in I think in a couple of weeks is going to be mask free too that's not the part of it the part of it that again that that people don't get is that it takes a lot of work to to get one of these things going and get oh, it yeah. together there's a lot of coordinating sure. and you know yeah. there's you know, yeah, you got to figure, figure out, out the food. Thing. You got to figure out who's going. You got to figure out, you know, uh, I got to get ready for I got to get time off of work so that I can right. get my house in order to do right. it, you know, and all this. Stuff. I mean, it's just, yeah, I would love yeah. to do it. It it hurts my heart that it's been two years since we had one. But I promise you in 2022, yeah. uh, there will be a carpet fest. And this is oh, why we say to you guys all the time, like, 
you know, don't snooze on it. You know, it's like ICAST was a perfect example of something like that. You know, everybody thought ICAST was going to happen every year. You know, a, a lot of booze to buy. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is about like. <laughs> Eric's got a grocery store full of it in that room down there. <laughs> yeah. Everybody brings booze to Carpet Fest because they don't want to come empty handed. So I, I booze is not a problem. <laughs> I'm not really a drinker. So that just stays here from Carpet Fest to Carpet Fest. Uh, you know, uh, I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah, all that you know, moonshine that showed up two years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, man, that's, that's all still there. You know, it's probably better now. You know, it's aged, uh, yeah. if you will. But, uh, oh, but yeah, the thing with like iCast is like, you know, um, people snoozed on it and they missed a, a once in a lifetime type of event that was, it was fucking amazing. It was, it right. was, it was awesome. You know what I mean? And even just to put it into, uh, to the thought of like, it was Rico Walder's really last, you know, public, uh, yeah. Uh, last time he was at yeah. a reptile function or a public yeah. reptile function. Right. You know? Yeah. So, I don't know, man. So, uh, yeah, 2022 is at least for the Northeast. I don't know. Other people are getting carpet fests and stuff together. And yeah, sometimes, I sometimes it hurts my heart that like, some of them are like, they don't even, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to go into it, but yeah. um, <laughs> we'll, get back to, we'll get back to it next year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I way. can't wait. I can't wait for, yeah. you know, my first one. I think it's kind of crazy. Like I've been listening to the show since before I was 21, but <laughs> now I could actually go and then, you know, by the time the next one freaking happens, you know, uh, <laughs> oh, Dave, trust me, it'll be so much fun. It's, it's blissful when you finally get together with everyone. For me, yeah. uh, the first and only one I've been out to in Northeast, because I've done all the, the Southwest ones was that it was, is really, really, um, cool to put faces in person to names mm -hmm. that I, people yeah. that I've been talking to for years. And the best part about it was, is there was no like awkward, like, Hey, nice to meet you sort of right. thing. It was like, everybody yeah. was brothers already, you know, yeah. like yeah. Jacob Bratz was there and he and I literally hit it off. Like we'd been best friends since little kids. You know what I mean? It was, for sure. it was just yeah. like that kind of connection. Like, you know, Scott Borden, I, I wish I spent more time hanging out with Scott, but it was weird. Cause like, I felt like I knew him so well, I was able to just be like, Hey Scott, how's it going, man? You know, talking for a little bit, pop in and out. Yeah. And with several people, I was like, that. and after the event and after the weekend, I was like, man, I wish I spent more time talking to yeah. X, Y, and Z, but there was 125 fucking people there. So yeah. I was like, yeah. I need a month to catch up with all y'all. No, for sure. So, and, and that's I mean, the other part of it too that kind of makes me nervous is like the fact that nobody, you know, like everybody is itching itching you know like just say where the event is and i will right. go you know like yeah. i want to be around people and yeah. and like you know It'll be a record turnout <laughs> yeah oh, you know it's it's like tense in my house backyard. was at like max capacity at like a hundred yeah. and Dude, maybe we have to rent out an event people. center <laughs> well what we gotta do is like get like uh get a bunch of tents and just yeah. wind that whole back fence in your backyard <laughs> with like big yeah. old tents it doesn't Tense they don't city. even need walls just like a big no. canopy with a side yeah, wall and like a, a tarp on the bottom and just throw 100 bags it'll be good mm. yeah yeah <laughs> and then yeah, Nick. the interns can harass owen in real life yeah, <laughs> yeah man yeah he's a lot he's I a went, lot softer and when i went you meet easy on owen that weekend i didn't want to rile him up the first time i was hanging out in person <laughs> with him, so. 
And then Jim from Morgantown shows up and I was like, oh, damn, we got a real celebrity here. So yeah, I mandated photos with Jim. So I have that to yeah. remember. Um, but yeah, it was. Have you guys already talked about the South Carolina bands and stuff going on there? We have not. It was overturned. Wasn't yeah, so there were two bills. Um, I wish Justin Smith were in here. If he is, chime in. He is. He was. Okay. So Justin uh, is very up-to-date and informed with this being uh, a South Carolina resident. So if you're questioning what I'm about to say, go double-check with him for probably more accurate info. But there were two nearly identical bills that were submitted at the same time, and both had little riders snuck in about banning all non-native venomous uh, from any possession whatsoever, not even a permit system, no businesses, nothing. And uh, the first one was shot down unanimously, so it didn't even get a single vote in favor. But then there was the second one, and I, I believe that one did not pass as well. So those two bills were shot down, but it, you know, obviously that never means that it's, it's over. So I think um, what it's done is it's woken everybody up in South Carolina um, to the fact that there's there's lobbyists and folks trying to undo that. Fortunately, South Carolina has a pretty uh, significant industry of businesses with with venomous uh, keeping involved for uh, breeding for venom labs, um, whatever it may be. There's there's several folks in there who that's their full time job, and I think they they got an overwhelming amount of of emails and reaching out and support for the venomous community that like at the hearing when they they uh, announced about it losing the the speaker even remarked and kind of chuckled about like how many email responses they got so i think the community out there pulled out uh you know came out in numbers and showed up and did a great job so but you know just because it happens once and gets shot down doesn't mean it's done you know those those lobbyists and those legislators that was their first dig at them and it's that's um, just opening the door it's game on i bet yeah. so yeah you know, they're I trying wish. to do that in Oregon up here too. And Oregon's like one of the most liberal, like who gives a damn? You can walk around open carry in the middle. You know, it's the woods, like mm -hmm. they don't care. But even the Oregon's like trying to get cracking on some of those laws. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Chris. Apparently, for, yeah, from what the knowledge that we have, yes, the second I, round did. I uh... think... I think the second round failed, but it could be... It could still be like in in like the process. So don't quote me on that. I'm not as up to date as I, you know, was last week with stuff. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I, it's such a, you know, I think, I think the biggest, biggest issue that we face with the reptile hobby and these laws and all that stuff was, um, it's just the whole, uh, unity of the yeah. community, you mm -hmm. know? And like, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's the world. I don't know if it's social media, but we're so fractured and it makes it so difficult to fight things like this when mm. you can't even like you can't even respect each other enough yeah. to sort of say we agree to disagree. Sometimes that's okay. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. That's what you know, I don't know. That's that's kind of why I like the Reptile Fight Club because, uh, you know, good. I said before, now that people have had the ability to listen to it, and if you haven't, I recommend going hitting it up. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's on Apple yet, but it is on Spotify, and I think it's on um, Fast. Did something happen? It seems like it did. It did come out of the blue. It was an yeah. illegal rider like, they stuck in the day before. Like, 
to the T, there are laws against that, and they still did it. They don't care. Yeah. But yeah, they literally snuck it in as it was being put on yeah. the the desk of uh of of their officer, whoever decided. Like most of these things, there there has not been a reason. <laughs> they and yeah. and this the the science or justification behind it is literally verbally just made up and talked about by some pencil pusher in an office who's never talked to any biologist or any population management team or any scientific groups. They're just like, nah, bad bullshit. Just not get rid of them. It's dangerous. You know, the, our, <laughs> voters our voters don't like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like that. Voice. Yeah, see? It's curtains for you. My <laughs> <baby. Yeah. laughs> but I think what's going to happen is the more and more these, these legislative battles come about, the more and more people are going to come out of the woodworks and be like, look, you know, reptile people are everywhere. You can't just stomp us out like this, you know? Yeah. 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 It's uh it's a multi-billion dollar industry too. At the very least, you think those greedy bastards and in, in all their capitals would want to make some money off of us because that's what yeah. they do best. I want this is where updated... the argument was oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I want an updated statistic of how big the hobby is post COVID because yeah. I think we've all observed growth. <laughs> oh my gosh. My shop is like the barometer for me yeah. as far as how much it's grown and it's overwhelming. I would love to have a better idea of how many households have a pet that is reptile or amphibian, you know, not even just breeders, but just the casual, you know, pet folks. Well, yeah. Before the, before the pandemic bearded dragons were like the number three pet in the entire country behind dogs and cats. And they were quickly becoming the number one, like out competing them because people were starting to have multiple of them. And yeah. now because of COVID, I guarantee you there's exponentially a lot more houses that have pet frogs and geckos because, you know, if yeah. we're talking about 99% of the hobby, a lot of kids and families getting into stuff want something fun. Geckos and frogs kind of fill that yeah. neat turtles too. So like if, it, you know, what's really crazy is seeing how much the availability of species and products has changed because there are so many people consuming the hard good products, the tanks and whatnot, buying it all, that the supply is spread unbelievably thin. And I see it firsthand. Same thing with animals. People are buying animals left, right, and center. There are so, so, so many people getting into just keeping one pet tortoise or, you know, one XYZ, yeah. you name it, that it's like, it's gone. Prices have skyrocketed. Mexican black king snakes were on a downward trend and now they're coming back up, not because of anything MBK related, just because of availability. Mm -hmm. Same thing with a lot of ball python morphs. Banana ball pythons a few years ago were 175 bucks. Now they're $350 or whatever it is. You know, things are going back up. You know how hard it is to get a sulcata tortoise right now? And and it's not what you thought they would cost, you know, a couple years ago. Because a few years ago, they were the $50 tortoise that people probably shouldn't be breeding anymore because there's too many of them, huge clutches, rescues are inundated. But because of that taboo becoming sort of like this public shaming of like, stop breeding sulcatas, it's irresponsible. Everybody stop breeding sulcatas. So now you can't get them. And now people want them again because there's more people getting in the hobby and they're four times, five times the cost of what they were. Right. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's a good time for the hobby and as far as like, um, you have more pet keepers coming into it. And I think mm -hmm. that's what the hobbies kind of needs, right? It kind of needs Agreed. that, that yeah. pet keeper 
Whereas yeah. for the longest time, it was really focused on breeding. And right. I think that kind of like, I don't know, it kind of shied people away from, from it because maybe they didn't get into it. Then you take this whole COVID thing where you can't get out, you can't, you have no release or whatever. And it's like you want, because even I, I, I just equate it to this, right? I think of plant sales, right? You know, I can't tell you it's like constantly in a supermarket and we're talking supermarket here mm -hmm. that, that it's like up 300%. It's crazy. Wow. So to me, that's saying like, oh, I need, I, I think human beings, whether you know it or not, I think you have this need to sort of like get yourself back in touch with nature, if you will. And I think it, the more and more like, um, the world is becoming more digital and all this stuff. And the more you're away, I think, you know, people are looking for that, um, that, that connection to nature. And Absolutely. like now mm -hmm. that they're starting to see that you can keep reptiles kind of like you can keep fish, yeah. but like, instead of it being under, you know, it, it's now, you know, a land-based animal to where they can have this little chunk of the jungle or chunk of the yes. desert or whatever it would be in their house. It makes it super easy you, you know, they're not a whole lot of uh, crazy maintenance, especially if you're, you know, you, you've, you've jumped onto the whole bioactive thing and, you know, you're keeping just one animal or whatever, or you're keeping two animals or, or something like that. You know, just a small collection that you can just kind of like, uh, you know, sit back and enjoy and, and, and yeah. you know, you can go on vacation and not have to worry about boarding a dog or, you know what yeah. I mean? And allergies and all this, all this stuff comes into play. Yeah. And I think it's like, I think that the the reptile hobby's on a good projection. I just wish that that you know we could just agree to disagree and just come together uh, for the betterment of of this, just for the hobby or industry or whatever you want to call it or however you want to call it. I think yeah. it's just too fractured. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, if, if we can't know. support one another, we can't expect outsiders to support us either. Yeah, right. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, here's here's the deal: we live and die by what. Um, what the industry survives on, which is ultimately money, right? So right. cage manufacturers, thermostat companies, deli cup makers, light manufacturers, fake plant making companies, the the bedding, all yeah. this stuff. Thermostats. Yada, it yada, yada, yada. Exist if we don't have those pet keepers, the 99%, right? 100%. That's right. the bulk yeah. of them, right? So we all need to be very grateful that that is, is blowing up. Um, right. That's one of the the very few things that social media is really good for right now yeah. is that it's, it's allowed this growth, right? It's put all of this in your pocket. Like I can't tell you how many DIY background videos and, and custom cage things you can find on YouTube. And think of the billions and billions of little kids and teenagers that are finding that stuff in their pockets, you know, on videos, flipping through their phone or YouTube when they're at home. And getting into it and i see these people coming into my shop i've got six-year-olds coming into the shop that know latin names of animals and they've researched where they're from and they know right. what bioactive is and they know about uv lights and they know all this stuff and they know more than their parents and they've spent the last two months just like glued to like this information and yeah. they sponge it all up and i yeah. you know it's a it's amazing because now you see the mainstream companies innovating further again everything was kind of stale for the last five years. Now there's like this push and this drive for innovation from a lot of these mainstream companies to make 
better products, more variety, more options, because ultimately when there's growth, more options stimulates more growth. Somebody yeah. comes into the shop, if they feel like they've only got one option for an item, that feels like they're constrained mentally and they don't like that. If you give them three different options of moss, 20 different options of pythons, 50 different options of cages, 20 different options of betting yeah. and all these different ways to achieve success. People get excited because all of a sudden they get to put their own stamp on it, their own fingerprint, yeah. their own approach. And it's like that exponentially, it's unbelievable. And so when you have all this growth and all this money, eventually the governments and all the people who have, you know, greedy fingers involved in all this stuff, they're going to want to keep that alive because it makes them money. And, and as shady and crappy as that seems, we want them to feel like they're winning by this industry growing and surviving and doing well, because ultimately the 1%, the small portion of us that are the breeders, that are the hobbyists, we're still going right. to benefit from the trickle effect of that hobby being recognized as mainstream, having money going into it and a lot of growth and, and expansion because ultimately it, it normalizes it and it makes us less those outside fringe people that these legislators then want to attack. Right. Yeah. It's all, it all cross pollinates everything. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, it's, it's, it's all the more reason why we need to make sure that we're, you know, we're supportive and, and fostering these new people that come in because those, those new people, those casual, you know, pet owners are, are really kind of the, the beating heart of it all. They, they, you know, having people, having a lot of those people are what's going to make the difference in terms of the legislation, in my opinion. Their yeah. opinion probably matters yep. more to their city council or what have sure. you than the one guy with the warehouse with hundreds mm -hmm. of animals, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Think about what scares people when they see it on the media more. Somebody having their house raided for a crap ton of snakes or right. somebody whose house caught on fire and a firefighter rushed in and saved the pet gecko. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a different look. It's a different look for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, so there's a lot of that that goes on. Yeah. And you talk about the technology has advanced, you know, and I think about like, I, you know, just, a, I, I wish I could somehow like just do this without having to do a job or whatever, which I, I don't know, was independently wealthy or whatever the case would right. be. But like, to me, like the next step in like UV and all that kind of stuff is like when, when an animal is out in the wild they're not experiencing like uv constant and you got clouds and all this stuff and i think about like i think about that so like a system that would turn it off or on or 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 raise it or lower the amount right. or whatever and then i think about like you know just the just like you know the sun does this kind of thing when it sets and like if you had some kind of uh, way a bank of lights or whatever that could turn on and off and like i bet you you would observe that you know, whatever the animal or species would be, would be basking in these different spots during the day and taking advantage of the, of these different things that are offered because, you know, and it's, and again, you know, you could, I seen, I must've been a dart frog and Zach Baez showed it to me a long, 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 long time ago. So I know it, it, it can be done, but th th this person had like this tank and it had lightning storms and thunder yeah. sounds and like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, I know to, you know, I guess when I was thinking like I'm just breeding snakes, that's kind of over to the top. But to your average keeper, like you're watching nature in a box. It's almost like watching real life, you know, yeah. planet Earth, if you will, you know, and I yeah. think like that's the, the way forward in this hobby. And I think uh, you're going to be able to attract more and more people with that. You know, Zoomed is doing exactly that. Um, I mean, you could probably argue that all these big companies are finding some way to innovate in order to stay relevant. But Zoomed has been doing the lights with 
the the storm sounds, the the exposed high sun, like actual yeah. noise coming out, flashing to simulate thunder. Zoomed has lights that do that, and that's been a thing. But now people are starting to appreciate that feature a little bit more. Um, and then, yeah, you, you start seeing uh, more of what the fish keeping hobby has been doing for a long time, starting to be the new frontier within reptiles as far as those little quirks, the extra things that, you know, and, and, and I love working for my boss because he thinks so out of the box and, and he just doesn't subscribe to any of these conventions. And he, he applies his 15 years of screwing things up and, and figuring things out experience to, to what, and he explains why. And so like, there's a reason why we don't, we don't carry four foot UVB hoods typically because in our opinion, what we've seen is that if you give them a UVB gradient or a light gradient, like, Right. You don't just blast them all the time. Yeah. Because right. even those those lizards that are out in the full spectrum desert without a, an inch of shade, they're only out there for a few minutes and they've got to avoid it. So, you know, there's little things that you can't just subscribe to like one thing and, and, and do it. Now there's all these different products and approaches like ZoomEd's even. You remember uh, not long ago, we, I was talking about that EcoZone controller that was way before its time, a little mm -hmm. expensive, controlled all that stuff. ZoomEd's got one coming out this year that it looks like a little computer modem. It sits in a little little dock and it has uh, four probes and all these inputs and settings. You can control it with a, re a remote and on your phone, I think. Um, and basically it can control the lighting with ramping, dimming, pulse, whatever. Uh, heat, ramping, dimming, pulse, on, off, whatever. And humidity systems. So you can have a fogger or a mist king or something else go on. And it's a complete environmental system controller and and you know it's it's interesting to see a, a big company coming out with that knowing that it's going to be a, a sort of a niche product for like mm -hmm. the high-end keepers right and i asked our rep like what's the retail price point around there and it's only gonna you know this suggested retail is about 175 dollars whereas years ago that ecozone one was 500 bucks so it's coming out now. So retailers should have the ability to order them. So if you've got a local shop that, um, you know, gets stuff regularly through through ZooMed, their their parent company, Hagen, you should be able to get that product and try it out. Um, and I talked to the rep about that. And some of the previous attempts at things, the humidity feature didn't work well, and you'd get oversaturated enclosures and and just, it, it, you know, things could dry out. And I think that's where ventilation plays a role in. But anyway, this is starting to become more mainstream. This approach, this yeah. full lighting, humidity, naturalizing it, including things for plant growth and success and giving your animals natural photo periods and being able to incorporate right. rain seasons and all this stuff. And and we're talking about they're making this so that the average pet keeper, somebody who has one yes. tank living room can do this. Yeah, so right. If they're putting all this time and money and into that, like th that speaks volumes to where the, the hobby and the industry is going. And it's... Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool to see. And I keep telling people that come into the shop, you know, families are like just getting into it and they're kind of on the fence. I'm like, now is the most exciting time to be in reptiles. Yeah, this, this resurgence, this this renaissance, this innovation, this this rediscovery of all these things that we sort of didn't really put a, a bunch of emphasis on species and technology and equipment and approaches, everything. It's like yeah. we've literally started over again, but we didn't lose anything. Like we're just boom going yeah I, I would even be curious if you could somehow like i know again this is over the top but like if you could you know if you somehow could you know 
if you had some kind of misting system and you could somehow on an and I'm sure it can be done, you somehow had it on an app that sort of uh, took the weather in your area. So if a, if a thunderstorm is coming through or rain or some kind of pressure drop or whatever, you get that in your tent. You know what I mean? Like these kind of things to where, you know, now the, the, the animal that's in there are not only experiencing the pressure drop from outside, they're also experiencing, you know, obviously you'd have to give them cover and all that kind of stuff, but it would just be interesting to see like what a- they do an actual built-in barometer so yeah. in real life when the pressure drops it sprays that'd be cool yeah. <laughs> you know how like right now you can set your your lights to go on and off based with, on like what's going real, on outside yeah. so like taking that same kind of concept but doing it shit man i know i'm a i'm a crazy person for the moon cycles and all that but even if you did that you know with those I think they kind of make like this moonlight or whatever, but if you could somehow dim that to sort of, you know, I would just think that that would just give them the feel again, uh, who knows if they need it or don't need it, but you know, that could, that could, that could affect feeding site. Like there's so much we don't know. Right. And we just sort of blow these things off as just like, oh man, you know, it's that's silly. That's nonsense. That's silly. But until you sort of start to mess with these things, you start to see like maybe it does affect things and maybe it does, have some kind of uh, better all overall um, health uh, provides. You know. I mean, yeah, just reinforcing the circadian rhythms and and the cycles that yeah. the snakes are, you know, tens of millions of years adapted to rely on. You know, right? Um, I just, you know, I forgot to turn the UVB on in my false water cobra cage for the last two or three days. I turned it on this morning and he's basking and staring at me right now. It's the first time I've seen him in days, you know, like right. they, they know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I'm not is- saying that as a bad thing. I, we just had clouds the last couple of days. It happened. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's just, a, it's a really cool time to sort of, uh, to sort of, to sort of be in it and, and see what's coming because ultimately I think, I think all of us breeder, not breeder, whatever, all of us have this, like this desire to see these animals behave with how they would in the wild and to be able to sort of like, you know, because not everybody's going to be able to travel to Australia or Papua New Guinea or Indonesia or China or where, you know, would you pick the place? Um, so shit, Maybe not even in the U.S. Maybe you're not going to be able to make it to te- to to West Texas or whatever. But you're sort of gonna, you know, um, whether UV is beneficial. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's beneficial or not, Stephen. You know, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm not qualified to say yes or no. It just seems to me that if if they're out in the in the sun, especially animals that love to bask and whatnot. Like I take diamond pythons for example. Like to me. I think UV is necessary. That's just me. You know, I, I just think that maybe, maybe the thing is, is like, maybe it's not necessarily that they need it, but maybe it lowers stress levels because they feel more secure and they feel more of that rhythm to where, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe overall it's, it's better long-term for them, but for I, I, I feel like we're going to find out down the line that it probably results in a better and a healthier immune system in some of those animals. That would be my initial. hypothesis. Yeah. 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 I, I just go back to Loafman's answer of, you know, there's X amount of species of snakes for some of them. It's probably built into their natural history. Very important, very beneficial for others. Probably not so much. Um, right. Yeah. 
if you want to say it's not beneficial. Wait, what's he say? He's, he's basically saying all the folks arguing about it haven't actually done the research. So they're just literally regurgitating whatever, you know, side of the fence they like that sounds right. good without having any right. information behind it. Agreed. And ultimately, yeah. the folks that are arguing against it, if you probably look at their collection, it's probably because they don't want to or can't afford to put lights in there or they use a lot of racks or whatever. And right. they take it as an offensive sort of thing. It's okay, guys. It's like, I mean, is changing. Like, science I, is always evolving. Yeah, we are man. always learning. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to <laughs> yeah. say, oh, shit, I've been doing it wrong all these years. Let me work on changing it while it's realistic. And right. when I, I, say, I, I believe that it is beneficial. I still only have it in a couple of cages, but I'm not going to just decide to say, no, it's not beneficial so that I don't have to change. Like, it's okay to acknowledge it and then still need to slowly transition what you have going. You know, it doesn't have to, it's not gonna you don't have the thousands of dollars to do it in, in one night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think you're going to see a trend in, in the reptile hobby to where people keep less, keep mm -hmm. more of what they want and keep it in a, in a, in the best way that they possibly can. I think that's that's going to be overall where the trend is. And I think I think I don't know how I don't know what you guys think like how do you think like if you're going to be this um what would you call it boutique breeder I guess if you will like you know you're breeding a couple of species here and there or whatever and not really you know pumping out like big huge amounts of of anything or whatever uh I wonder like how that's going to affect the market overall. I think, I think it's probably to your point earlier, it's like there's so little supply of certain species. So it pushes that animal from a hundred dollars up to three fifty, And I think that that's probably good for the people that are buying on impulse, you know, yes. because usually those impulse buys are the $70, the $20, the, you know what I mean? Somewhere in that hundred dollar range. It's just like, um, yep. It's you affordable, know. so it doesn't seem like it's consequential. Right. You know? And if you fuck it up, right? It's ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's only fifty bucks. Yeah, which is not the approach or idea that you should have. But that's right. that's unfortunately all too commonplace. Yeah, yeah. Reptiles so, are still looked at as like a a non living commodity to most people. Right. Right. So yeah, I think it would be beneficial for some species in terms of putting a price point at that keeps a lot of the folks that maybe don't have the right intentions at heart right. out of there. And it also validates the folks that have been working with them for so long or really truly love them. And it kind of, it's kind of like giving them a, you know, a well-deserved pat on the back for their devotion and that their hard work for that species that maybe has never garnished super, you know, focus attention, but it's still worth being around. And finally, you know, their hard work and devotion yeah. pays off sort of thing. So I think that, mm -hmm. I think that's a good point. And I don't think that like 350 is not, I mean, when you look at it, it when you, it's $350 is, 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 I'm not saying it's like not a lot of money or whatever, or something like that. But like, um, when you look at it on the scale of buying a reptile, most people will spend 350 and not bat an eye. Right. You know, um, but like when you have to spend $3,000, you know, then people are like, eh, you know, um, but people spend thousands of dollars on dogs and cats, birds, dude, fish. French, some French bulldog coat 
mutations or whatever the hell they call it are worth like 20 grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 A dog. So it's, yeah. Yeah. A so, dog that's going to yeah. shit all over your floor, chew your carpet, <laughs> die in 10 years, probably hate you for some of that. <laughs> right. 20 grand. Um, no thanks. Yeah. You know, you know how like uh, you could have a uh, super you know nice, like, like reptile room with twenty grand. You know what I mean? Like, I dude, yeah, I could almost have ten Western blackheads. <laughs> <laughs> I could have my Apodora room. Yeah, complete yeah. with our astrological timers and light. <laughs> yeah. Forest yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, when an animal can't breed on its own, I think that's uh, that's a sign that so yeah. you know. <laughs> section in order to get all the puppies out like that's yeah i think nature's saying like no you might Ah, overstep this one man (laughs) you might want to rethink this uh Uh, but uh yeah cool 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 yeah so apodora needs to be done like that so if anybody wants to fund things you know (laughs) there's a rich philanthropist out there that wants to see the uh the private sector really push the innovation this is a good network to Riley, are you trying to find a snake sugar daddy? (laughs) Uh, He's like, because I am. Where are they at? (laughs) (laughs) Opposed to it, like you know how there's like those philanthropists of the arts, like the people Mm. that like go to like art shows and they're like, I'm yes, I'm gonna give forty million dollars to this gallery because I'd love to see the art continue. Like yes, want some rich French person to be like, you know what? These NPR people are, they're on to something here. <laughs> I'm going to fund them. A gentleman a caller. <laughs> no, 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 not like that, Lucas. It's spending way too much like, time over in the East Bay, man. You got to get out uh, of <laughs> Oh, funny. man. That was good. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm vaccinated. I can do what I want, right? America. Yeah. America. Oh, man. So, uh, Gross. I need to go wash my tongue. Did you already give a diamond python update? I did. A yeah. little, yeah. She, Shed, waiting just for her to lay eggs, you know? We're so. in the egg laying window, a couple weeks, three, four weeks. Hopefully, fingers are crossed, you know? Uh, that would be fabulous to get diamond python eggs, man. Holy shit. I would be over the moon. Yeah, that'd be sweet. That'd be really cool. Then I could uh, sell the baby diamonds to sort of fund the diamond python enclosure nice. updates, and you know, mm-hmm. absolutely, that'd be you know? that'd be yeah. sweet. Yeah. yeah, make sure you got room for some citrus tigers because we're, dude, we're we're in the yeah, man. They're they're due to pip any day. Today is day fifty-two for that clutch. I can't wait to see what pops out of that, man. Dude, she she's been looking restless. She came off the clutch again yesterday. She was loosely around it, so I took the opportunity to pull the whole nest box out, take the lid off, and look. Dude, the eggs are perfect. They're perfect. Yeah. They're white. They're starting to dent in. There's a little bit of like moisture to it from her keeping it in, but like not one egg has gone bad. Not one egg has like over dimpled at too early of a time. I mean, they literally look perfect. Nice. Yeah. And, and I was worried that this time doing MI wouldn't go so well because last time when I did it, the female uh, had a whole box of uh, sphagnum moss. This time, it's uh, a layer of undyed aspen on the bottom with sphagnum moss around it because the undyed aspen doesn't doesn't mold as easily. And I just had okay. It. So I threw it in there, and then I packed moss around her, 
I've been running the humidifier in the room, but I was worried, you know, the open air space with the Aspen on the bottom and paper bedding, it would get too dry. So a couple weeks in, I like sprayed some water in there, but I don't think I even needed to do that because she seems to have it handled and it's mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. I, uh, her mom was good maternal incubation too. So I don't know, maybe it's genetic, but, uh, I'm so stoked. I like, I'm literally just glued to the glass. I'm like looking right at it. Like first thing when I do in the wake, when I wake up in the morning, I flip the lights on and come look at her, like <laughs> go to bed, you know, like I'm, awesome. I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss this one, you know, cause like if she, if they start pipping while I'm at work or something, I'm just going to be so anxious. <laughs> I video and see those babies. Oh, I just can't wait, man. I'm also curious to see how now. So you bred her to an albino Darwin, or no caramel? Oh, yeah, a caramel. striped uh, possible super caramel albino. So I don't know okay. if it's a super caramel or just a caramel. Okay. So we'll see that. We'll figure that out. You know, assuming uh, there'll be some hats in there, because it's like 16 eggs. So if eight of them are hats and eight are albinos, you know, from a sample size of eight. I would think there would, if it's uh if it's a super, you know, you'd see it, or if it's not, you'd see it. So we'll see. But, so the idea that I had as far as the citrus type, so I'm curious to see how the, 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 the normal quote unquote right. ones, the non albino ones look and see how that citrus tiger influence changes or, you know, like how it goes or whatever. Right. I'm curious to see if you have those animals that stand out like your girl. Yeah, it's like if you look at a clutch, like you have these ones that are sort of like look like jungles, and then you have the ones like the one that you have is looks like mom, where it's like okay, this is like the citrus tiger look, if you will. And um, well, yeah, it's a cross because it has albino in it. Yeah, but, if, uh, if it was, if my girl wasn't of the head albino project, then you would just be looking at coastal with yeah. some arguable origin right. undocumented as animal yeah, in the mix technically, you know? but yeah um, so um, but yeah you know i'm curious as well because essentially the male that she bred with has no citrus tiger blood right so these offspring will be like 25 percent if you right. will uh citrus tiger blood so it'll be interesting to see what what that does and then yeah you know maybe take those offspring and i've got that male citrus tiger head albino see what putting some of that back in a few few generations down does or you know so i was curious to see if i bred a red coastal to a citrus tiger if it turned out like the red jungle right that would be interesting um i'm really that's like a that's something that i want to take a stab at but um worth doing i think i think i think if i i think to me I'm, I'm in my mind right jungle and coastal being arguably the same thing in some areas or whatever um then you have this red gene that pops up just like it popped up in coastals just popped out of jungles and the you know uh is that is that because there's red mixed into that you know who knows you know um but you know, I think, I think it it might play out to be. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm curious to see how it plays out, but yeah. it'll also be interesting once the 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 more complete carpet python comes out too. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> I was just talking to Nick the other day about it. I was like, yo, man, what's going on? Like, <laughs> God damn, man. Like, we're hungry. Feed us. <laughs> uh, you know, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, I'm excited for that. That'll be interesting. That will certainly affect prices on things potentially. And, and you know, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see how that affects the market reclassifications and things. Yeah. 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 Um, hundred percent share this real quick. I figured that people would be curious to see like where the carpet, the citrus tiger gets their mojo from. So like, that was um that's an original Balan tiger which is that was by anthony Capanetto and just one of the most amazing tigers i've ever seen and then that's an hcq and then they were bred together and then they made these hcq tigers and you still sort of get this look in the citrus tigers right but when this is the this to me is what sets it apart because if you see this is the undocumented people it was sold as a jungle but said it was a coastal but you see that gray and stuff that's in the in the saddles and riley you know this because you have a girl that looks like that um that translates into mama <laughs> which is uh you know all that and your girl kind of looks a lot like her and that's the mom so i love that snake that one's crazy the portholes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the contrast. The color is just nuts. So, but yeah. Sorry. So it's of... getting super loud out here again. I <laughs> 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 out the earth next to my window. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, the boa constrictors. Yeah. Very simple. People hate change. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is what it Even is. Even when but... it's correct. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 How yeah. dare you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know. We're at uh two hours and ten minutes. Riley's getting hammered over there, so uh uh <laughs> There, there is I, uh, so much noise going on here. It's not even pleasant. I guess we will, uh, you know, call it uh, another another episode twenty three. Carpets and coffee. Uh, it's always uh, good hanging out with you, gentlemen. And uh, absolutely, today was aspidites and aspirin for me. I need to, <laughs> I need to take a nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there well, you go. Always, always the best time. I love chatting. I like that. That's yeah. your second podcast that you got to start. <laughs> I can like only, I can only make episodes when I'm ill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hopefully, it's, it's that time like again. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. go, yeah, good thanks stuff, guys. Yeah, thank everybody for uh, for hanging out with us and checking on the live stream. If you want to catch it live, we do it Mondays. Uh, one o'clock east coast time 10 o'clock west coast time um and uh yeah we just hang out and shoot the shit talk carpets drink some coffee you know yeah what more exactly. could you want yeah exactly <laughs> i don't know um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna try to make this uh my 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 speech even shorter and shorter right it's just okay. real easy if you want to learn about the npr network 
go to MoreliaPythonRadio.com, right? Everything is there. The Teespring store, the Patreon, the, you can learn about carpets there, you know, the, all the podcasts uh, and all the platforms that, you know, um, if you have not checked out uh, some of the recent additions to the, uh, to the network, Reptile Fight Club, uh, it's not officially up on Apple yet, uh, but probably within a couple of days. Um, I will say that the uh, Field Herping Podcast and the Australian Herp to, Cur- Herp to Culture Podcast is up on uh, Apple and as uh, on all other platforms. Um, and uh, yeah, so wonderful. Uh, if you want to get in contact, you have a question, comment, um, just send it to info at moraypythonradio.com. It makes it super easy. Well done. Well done. And if you want to get in contact with me, I can be found on any of the typical places at Centralian Exotics. And I also just recently posted uh, a conversation I had with Casey from Zion Hill Exotics on my YouTube channel. Really good chat about Wilma's Blackheads and her other thing is the Sailfin Dragons, which are really cool reptiles. Oh, nice. If that tickles your fancy, go check that out. check it thanks out. everybody yeah that that i need to go listen to because she's got some sailfins from grant uh in the past yeah. so she's but, very uh, sharp very yeah, very fun awesome. to talk to and i'm gonna do this quick because it's noisy and i'm sure you guys can all hear the background noise it's obnoxious but you can find me under riley jimison on youtube and riley's reptiles and everything else so that is it for me excellent have a wonderful Until weekend next everybody yes yes adios muchachos Bye. all right See? See ya. <laughs>